Welcome to the Triple Helix Podcast. Our guest on this episode of the Triple Helix Podcast is Gail Ray Garwood. Sometimes we're lucky, and our extended family makes interesting interview guests. Of course, they all think they are, and I agree totally we'll get to you all soon as possible. But this week, my cousin Gail Ray Garwood is our guest. Gail is a popular writer slash author and blogger about health and healing with a focus on kidney health. Gail's award-winning blog and book series, Slow It Down, CKD, and other titles are a repository of wisdom, research, first-hand experience, and insight on the topic of kidney disease and kidney health. She's published two books of fiction as well, and her work has been found in publications by the American Kidney Fund, the New York City Board of Education, and the National Kidney Foundation, even in the Wall Street Journal. Gail was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease back in 2008 and has been grappling with that condition with wit, positivity, a great mindset, and productive work style. Let's learn from Gail. You've gone through a lot of changes in your health in the last uh, decade or so. It sounds to me that you've calmly adapted to each change dealt with it on its own terms, and have come through things most people don't have a hope of coming through. You're kind of like the Tin Woman, if there were one in The Wizard of Oz. You're missing a few pieces, but you're carrying on with life, and you have a great heart. Could you share with us a bit of your mindset, day-to-day and hour-to-hour, living through these really difficult health challenges, and coming out of it still creative, still sane, and still managing your life? I am so grateful to be alive. When I was having chemotherapy, my daughter was busy growing a baby in her belly. And he is now two and a half, and he's going to have a younger brother in about, oh, maybe a month or so. I am so incredibly grateful to have lived to see this, to, to love him, to, to be part of his life. I'm grateful to be here to, to help Bear. Uh, Bear is my husband. He would prefer not to ask for help, but I know there's so much he can't do. Uh, in addition to the Alzheimer's, he has a, a really bad back. And I just sort of slide in without his noticing and do whatever it is that he can't do. It's, I mean, life so is just, gratitude. I feel like Pollyanna. I look out the window, I see the colors of, of the the uh, flowers out there, and I'm, I'm entranced. I see my big white fluffy dog come running towards me, and it's like, look at that. That's a miracle. So you still have your sense of wonder. My sense of wonder my sense of humor. Everything is funny. Something goes bad, I start laughing. It just, it's just so silly. I mean, whatever is, is. And I'm not going to change it by getting angry, by being upset, by being disappointed. There's got to be good somewhere in there. And that's what I look for. 
Now, do you advise in your blog and when you speak and other writings that attitude is maybe one of the biggest parts of staying healthy and seeing yourself through these difficult experiences? Periodically, I will write about um, attitude, uh, positivity and negativity. But you have to remember, this is my way. Everybody has their own way. For instance, Bear, in his Alzheimer's, curses like the soldier that he was for 25 years. This is not my way, but it's his way. So I step back and I don't say anything. Acceptance and being non-judgmental. Yeah, and I'm certainly not a saint. I, I certainly don't do that all the time, but gratitude wins out. Now, how do we get to a place of gratitude if we're ill or depressed? If the prospect of going through surgeries and medical treatments is frightening, what do you recommend to pull oneself out of that kind of mire? Okay, now, now again, I'm not sure this will work for everybody, but what I do is I think of the worst possible scenario, and then I block it out. That's it. I spent two seconds on it. It's over. Now it's time to deal with what I can do in this situation. Um, and, and, and you can come up with things. For instance, the way that the chemotherapy was introduced to my body was through a power port, which, which is a device that they put needles in that was attached to my jugular because my veins could not handle a direct deposit of the poisonous chemotherapy. I have been very unhappy with the fact that it was attached to my jugular. And when I was under chemo, I knew that I needed it, so I just let it be. But I haven't needed chemo in, what, two and a half, three years? So I asked if it were time to take it out, and they said yes. When it was put in, I was under, I guess you call it twilight sleep. And although it didn't hurt, I could feel everything. And I, I hated it, absolutely hated it. So this time, when they were taking it out, I asked them, them being my uh, oncologist, if it were possible to do it under full anesthesia. And the answer was yes. The, the point of this being that if you don't ask, you don't get the answer you want or the answer you don't want. You don't get any answer. Now, Dr. Bernie Siegel used to say that the patients who spoke up for themselves had the healthiest outcomes because they're giving their bodies that live message. They have a live attitude. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm also working at this time with uh, two or three different pharmaceutical companies as a patient advisor. And what we're working on is getting patients to be more involved in their own treatment. Let's talk about that. Okay. When I was under chemotherapy, I felt that um, I had to know everything. And I asked questions and asked questions and asked questions. And the nurses and the my team would answer me in such a way that I actually did understand what they were talking about. And then I would take that home and I would translate it into something that my readers would understand and I would write about it. With the kidney disease, the thing that I kept um, hitting on, I guess is, is the phrase, was be involved. If you can't ask questions, if you're not that kind of person, 
hand your list of questions to a friend and have the friend come with you and make sure that you understand the answers. Now, 14 years ago, when I first uh, was diagnosed with uh, chronic kidney disease, there were paternalistic doctors. You know, I'll take care of you. You just do what I say. That never worked for me. I've had a father. I enjoyed my father. I don't need another father. I'm an intelligent person. I want to know what is going on in my body. I want to know what can be done for it. I want to know what can't be done and why it can't be done. And I want to know how I can be the prime mover, so to speak, of these changes. That's great. I can understand how that feeling of empowerment must really help. It does. You don't feel like a little dolly that people are experimenting on. (laughs) It's funny that I chose that word because my treatment for um, pancreatic cancer was all clinical trials. I think it was four or five different clinical trials. And I knew people were experimenting on me. But I also knew because of the type of cancer I had that I needed that experimenting. So you threw fear to the wind, plunged ahead, and I guess if it were me, I'd be thinking, I'm contributing somewhat to scientific knowledge by allowing this test to be performed upon me. This is right on the mark. My brand new son-in-law came with me to have um, the, the, the biopsy taken to see if I had pancreatic cancer or not. And on the way there, we talked about if I did... Did I want to do a research hospital, or did I want to do a teaching hospital, or did I want to be in a a regular hospital? And uh, with his help, I decided that what I really wanted was a research uh, facility. And after the test, the oncologist came out, and he took a deep breath, and he told me that I did indeed have pancreatic cancer. So, because of what my son-in-law and I discovered, discussed rather, I asked him if he knew of a research facility anywhere within driving distance, and he kind of looked at me like I was pretty dumb, and I, <laughs> I'll tell you why. <laughs> Turns out that we were in the best research hospital for pancreatic cancer west of the Continental Divide. Wow. I had no idea. We just lucked out that way. Or I should say, I just lucked out that way. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I was lucky enough to have either my son-in-law or my daughter with me almost all the time until COVID. Really needed that. Now, I'm involved somewhat in the world of 3D printing. And I know that 3D printed transplantable human kidneys are somewhere in the future horizon. How do you feel about that? There are so many people dying because they cannot get kidneys in time. Uh, The the best choice is a living kidney uh, from a living donor. There aren't that many available. And then the second choice is a cadaver kidney, which may or may not be as healthy as that from a living donor. There are people who have been on the transplant list for three years, five years, seven years, ten years, and they are getting weaker and weaker because they are on dialysis. 
And dialysis can only do so much. I mean, everybody's talking about, oh, well, gee, dialysis, that's fine. You'll live forever. No, you will not live forever. You need to get that transplant. I find this very, very exciting, and I would have absolutely no hesitation about taking a 3D-printed kidney should I ever need a kidney, and they were available. That's interesting. Do you think that a lot of kidney patients would feel the same? Well, I think in the very beginning, it might be only those who were desperate. But I think also that once other patients saw how very well that they worked, they being the 3D-printed kidneys, then it would open up, then more and more patients would be open to having just such a kidney. And pancreas. I mean, many times people need pancreases too to go along with their new kidneys. Oh, I didn't realize that. Can you explain why? Um, well, you know that the kidneys clean your blood. Mm-hmm. And they also, I'm trying to explain in what I don't, truly understand, the pancreas produces insulin. If the kidneys are not producing um, clean blood, so to speak, toxin-free blood that go through your body, including going through the pancreas, then the way I'm thinking of it is that you're, you're, you're not getting uh, insulin from your pancreas. And it's interesting that you're asking me about this because that's what this week's blog will be about. I haven't researched it yet. I write on Fridays. And the only reason I'm writing about it is that when I was in the hospital last Friday to have the uh, power port for chemotherapy removed, the nurse saw I had CKD, which is chronic kidney disease, and that I only had a third of my pancreas left. And she explained to me that very often the pancreas also is transplanted with the kidney. Hmm. She started to explain why, and it was my time to go into surgery. Can you tell me, are there day-to-day practices for people with kidney disease? Say natural treatments to boost your health, your immune system, any practices on the sort of inside track for that particular condition? We're encouraged not to take herbal anything. Uh, or supplemental anything, uh, basically because they haven't been tested to see how much of whatever it is is going to do good, and then it will start not doing good. Uh, It hasn't been approved by the FDA. It hasn't been tested. I mean, the kidneys are, they're delicate and strong at the same time. They don't want to be bothered with things that they're not used to. And they also need help to do their job. So basically, it's through food, especially sodium. Uh, I'm trying to avoid sodium. And uh, the three uh, electrolytes that I mentioned before, the uh, protein, phosphorus, and potassium. Because everything is interconnected. If you have too much potassium, it has an effect on your heart. And you don't want that on top of kidney problems. What about things like juicing? Uh, No. No, juicing is not recommended for the simple reason that um, many of the juices contain too high potassium. Each stage of kidney disease has a limit for how much potassium you can have. Um, I I guess the kidneys are self-protective also. 
Okay, so it sounds like a pretty strict regimen, and it's relatively straightforward for those with kidney disease. Are you on particular medications for your kidneys? Yes, uh, my medications are not specifically for the kidneys, but for high blood pressure. High blood pressure and diabetes are the foremost causes of kidney disease. So if we don't want the kidney disease to progress, then, uh, well, progress fast, then we have to deal with the blood pressure and we have to deal with the diabetes. Now, for me, there was no problem to dealing with the diabetes because I didn't have it. Well, I do now. You take away two-thirds of the pancreas and (laughs) that's... Remaining only one-third of insulin, which means you need to take injections, and you have diabetes. You're such a brave person. I really admire how you handle all of this. Thank you. As I'm listening to to what I'm telling you, I'm saying to myself, wow, I'm really a wreck. (laughs) (laughs) I never really think about that at all. It's just like, okay, this is what is, and this is what I'm dealing with, and just do it. You're definitely the sort of person I would turn to if I'm ever in a dire situation, because I know you'll straighten me out. (laughs) My pleasure, sweetie pie. My pleasure. Well, it's almost time to wrap up our interesting conversation, and I wanted to mention something. Would you mind giving us a brief set of guidelines for people who are listening, want to avoid kidney disease, and may not be aware of lifestyle tips that they can practice every day to avoid it? Okay, well, the first and foremost thing, there is a movement on right now to have uh, chronic kidney disease testing included with your yearly uh, exam. And what it includes is a blood test and a urine test. No biggie. I would urge that. Also, avoid red meat as much as you can. Uh, It's very hard for the kidneys to deal with this. What else? As I mentioned before, no smoking, drastically cut down on your drinking if you do need to drink. Although, I don't know why anybody needs to drink, but that's that's just me. Exercise, adequate sleep, try to avoid stress, which can be very stressful. <laughs> Rest, take it easy on the salt. Uh, so somebody, a reader was telling me that uh, she cannot imagine how I could possibly eat food without salt. Well, I'm at the point now where salt is abhorrent to me. It just tastes horrible. Uh, And there's plenty of spices you can use instead. And I think that's about it. (laughs) I just want to thank you so much for joining us, Gail Ray Garwood. It's been a treat. Keep doing what you're doing. You're an example to all of us. I have enjoyed this very much. Thank you, Dan. I'm lucky I have you for a cousin. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for joining the Triple Helix podcast, presented by Human Biosciences. Your host was Dan Bernard.